Welcome to the PEDSNP, Pearls of Pediatric Evidence-Based Practice. I'm your host, Becky Carson, Assistant Professor at Catholic University of America, and today we're going to talk about musculoskeletal development from the moment a baby is born through the maturity of their upright adult gait. I'm going to start with a quote from one of my all-time favorite movies, Forrest Gump. You may recall Forrest's mama sitting in the principal's office trying to convince him that her special boy should go to school. What does normal mean anyway, she says. It's especially important for pediatric providers to consider normal growth and development because children are not just small adults. Most organ systems have not finished developing at the time of birth. So there are expected changes that a child will go through, and these are very different from their adult counterparts. Well, Forrest said his mama always had a way of explaining things so he could understand them. So let's explore growth and development of the musculoskeletal system. Many of the rotational and angular deformities of childhood are issues of what we call a packaging defect. This is a direct result of the limited amount of space that a fetus has to grow and develop for nine months. Infants are born with physiologic flexion contractures of the knees and hips, which results in genuverum and internal tibial torsion of the lower extremities, which is normal. Additionally, their feet may demonstrate metatarsus adductus, which we'll talk about a little bit later. This should always be flexible, where you can manually put it back into normal position. Otherwise, a rigid metatarsus adductus may indicate a more serious problem. As the infant grows in the first few months, the contractions loosen and you'll notice the greatest degree of bowing in the first 6 to 12 months of life. With gross motor strength and linear growth, the lower extremities actually straighten to a 0 degree tibiofemoral angle around 18 to 24 months as that child begins to walk. And once they walk, they run and that angle goes in the opposite direction, then becoming genuvalgum. Knock knees are at their peak around age 3 to 4, with an average peak lateral tibiofemoral angle of 12 degrees. This angle should continue to decrease over time with resolution by 8 to 9 years of age. Although we consider these normal deformities, your patient should always have symmetrical angles, with the absence of symptoms such as pain, joint stiffness, systemic disorders, or syndromes. As you've learned in other episodes of the Peds NP, age should be the first thing you consider in a child's presentation, because what is normal at age 1 can be very abnormal by age 3 when we're talking about musculoskeletal growth. In most cases, these deformities represent a benign condition with excellent long-term outcome as the child grows into a more mature musculoskeletal system, but it takes a keen provider who knows what is normal so that you can detect what is abnormal. The purpose of evaluation of a deformity in the lower limb is to differentiate a physiologic from a true deformity, to find out the magnitude of the deformity, and also figure out what is the plane of the deformity. It can be sagittal, frontal, translational, or a torsional deformity. Deformities which are asymmetrical, severe, and associated with pain, joint stiffness, systemic disorders, or syndromes may indicate a serious underlying cause and should always be referred for further evaluation and management. 
It's important to assess for these issues because children are growing and unmanaged deformities can lead to long-term issues with function and pain as they mature. Let's talk for a moment about some of our more common deformities, bow legs and knock knees. We just reviewed normal development after intrauterine positioning as a child begins to walk, and we know that it's normal to have angular deformities in the legs in childhood. But when does it become abnormal? Bow legs after age two to three are considered abnormal. In general, bow legs should improve with growth and walking, not worsen. If you note a worsening angle after 18 months of age, an initial presentation of genovarum after 24 months, an angle that's greater than 15 degrees, asymmetry or leg length discrepancy, or no improvement with walking, then referral is necessary. Forrest Mama said that you always have to put your past behind you before you can move on, but I disagree. I think the past is pertinent right now, so make sure to take a good history and ask whether there is any pertinent family history, such as a growth disorder, short stature, or bone dysplasia that might account for the persistence of the defect. Ask parents, when did you first notice the deformity? Did you notice bowed legs in infancy? Or did the bowed legs develop later on once your child started walking? Is the deformity improving, staying the same, or getting worse? At what age did your child first stand? How about walk? Remember that children with Blount's disease are often early walkers and are more commonly found in African-American or Hispanic ethnicities. In Blount's disease, there is abnormal growth of the medial aspect of the proximal tibia that results in progressive varus. But it doesn't just occur in early walkers. It can also develop in school-age children or adolescents, although the younger the age, the greater association with deformity. Next, complete a physical exam to determine the degree of deformity. In physiologic genuverum, there's a gentle curve along the lower third of the femur and at the juncture of the middle and upper thirds of the tibia, and it's often associated with internal femoral torsion or internal tibial torsion from in utero positioning, which, when combined with chubby thighs, can make the defect appear more dramatic. Conversely, in Blount's disease, you'll see the bowing arise from the proximal tibia metaphysis with an acute medial angulation immediately below the knee. Your exam should also include an assessment of their gait. Foot progression in physiologic genuverum should be normal. When laxity and incompetence of the lateral collateral ligament of the knee are present, the femoral head and upper tibia shift laterally during gait, which is abnormal, and this is called a lateral thrust. Look for other physical exam findings that might suggest a pathologic etiology, such as a rosary on the rib cage that might suggest rickets. Your clinical evaluation should also include measurement of intercondylar distance. This is the distance between the medial femoral condyles when the lower extremities are positioned so that the medial malleoli of the ankles are touching. The measurement between the knees should be less than five to six centimeters. You can obtain standing long films that image the child upright from the hips all the way to the ankles. Proper positioning is important in order to accurately measure the angles. So knees should be straight with the patella facing forward. When you examine the images, consider the growth plates carefully. Growth plates in physiologic genuverum are normal. 
In rickets, for example, the physes are markedly thickened. The physeal borders of the epiphysis appear frayed with a brush-like pattern. The epiphysis is enlarged, and the bone trabeculae are coarse, and the cortices of the diaphysis of the femurs and tibia show a decreased bone density. You should also inspect the epiphysis, metaphysis, and diaphysis for signs of bone dysplasia. Keep your differential diagnosis broad as you facilitate referral and consider sending labs because rickets, osteogenesis imperfecta, lead or fluoride intoxication, tumors or infection may be etiologies of the deformity that could warrant further investigation beyond the plain films. A common workup for rickets includes serum calcium, phosphorus, and alkaline phosphatase. You could also consider serum vitamin D levels, parathyroid levels, lead and fluoride levels, among others. If your evaluation uncovers physiologic genuverum, simply provide reassurance to parents that the defect naturally corrects with time, growth, and increased walking. As the natural alignment of legs goes from varus to valgus, the other common presentation in childhood is genuvalgum. I remember knock knees as valgum because it's like their knees are stuck together with gum. This is incredibly common in children as a result of their skeletal immaturity and their new experience with walking. We can accept some degree of angulation, but there are limits here too. Children who have knock knees at an angle greater than 15 degrees after age 6, those whose presentation is persistent or worsening past 8 years, or those who have problems walking, where their knees rub together, maybe they need to swing one leg around the other to avoid their knees, those who have knee pain, calf pain, thigh pain, or easily tire, all of those patients need referral to orthopedics. But first, gather your history, just as you did with the bowed leg child, and place further attention on the history of trauma, fractures, hereditary syndromes, and arthritis. As you examine these children, remember what Forrest Gump told us. There's an awful lot you can learn about a person by their shoes. Remember that the wear should be even and that the legs should appear symmetrical in their deformity. Some children will show increased wear on the medial portion of the soles of their shoes, which suggests that they have unequal weight bearing on the lower extremity, and it can lead to long-term degenerative knee problems or patellofemoral joint instability. Further examine the knee for any ligamentous laxity to ensure stability of the cruciate and collateral ligaments. Generally, no imaging studies are needed because you can determine the tibial femoral angle using a goniometer, and it should be less than 15 degrees. You can also measure the intermalleolar distance with their knees together and measure the distance between their ankles. This should be less than 7 centimeters. Physiologic genuvalgum improves with time, and you can again reassure parents, but those worrisome cases I mentioned earlier are more likely to need surgical intervention to correct. Remember that deformities are not just at the knees. They can be rotational as well, and the deformity may arise from the hip, knee, ankle, or foot. In-towing or pigeon-toed and out-towing or duck-penguin walking are other common deformities that cause parents concern. When in-towing arises from the foot, it's usually the fault of metatarsus adductus, a common foot deformity from packing a baby in utero while they're growing. 
babies with metatarsus adductus have a bean-shaped foot with convexity along the lateral border, and they may have a transverse crease medially at the junction of the forefoot and midfoot. You can again assess the severity with assessment of a heel bisector. Normally, the heel bisector should hit from the middle of the heel to between the second and third toes. Hitting the third toe means that it's mild, the fourth is moderate, and the fifth is severe. As I said before, it should also be flexible. You can assess for flexibility by tickling the baby's foot. If he or she straightens the foot in response to the tickling, then it's flexible. Some flexible cases may not correct with tickling, but you're able to passively stretch them by manually manipulating the foot back into position, which means that it's also correctable with further stretching. But if the foot is rigid and maintains that bean shape despite tickling and stretching, serial casting or splinting will be necessary. If metatarsus adductus, so adduction of the heel, appears with other features like equinus of the ankle, which is plantar flexion, cavus of the midfoot, a high arch, and adduction of the forefoot, then the child has club foot. And it's very important for you to evaluate children with metatarsus adductus for club foot and make sure that they have muscle and sensory function, since the treatment and prognosis of the two are very different. Intoeing may also be the result of rotational deformity at the knee or hip. Tibial torsion is another packaging defect and is the most common cause of intoeing in children younger than three years of age, and it most often resolves on its own without any need for intervention. When the rotation occurs at the hip, it's called femoral antiversion, Babies are born with femoral antiversion, but it's difficult to appreciate it because of a lateral external rotation contracture that seemingly counters the defect. The degree of angulation typically improves little by little every year, but children with pathological femoral antiversion get worse, up to about 60 degrees of angulation between ages 4 and 6. These are the children who classically sit in the W position, with their knees in front of them and feet out to the side. Pay careful attention to any ligamentous laxity in these children too, because similar to when you made a goofy face and your mom told you your face would get stuck like that, well, now it's thought that sitting in the W position can contribute to worsening femoral antiversion, so parents should discourage this behavior. Typically, we see this resolve around 10 years without intervention. Out-toeing is also a result of physiologic positioning in utero. About 20% of fetuses are positioned with hips and knees flexed, ankles dorsiflex, and legs and feet externally rotated, which results in external tibial torsion and calcaneovalgus feet. You can assess for the severity of intoeing and outtoeing by examining the foot progression angle, which refers to the position of the child's feet as they walk. If zero degrees is straight in front of you, Most adults have a positive 10-degree angle, with the feet slightly rotated laterally. Children with in-toeing will have a negative angle, meaning they point inwards, and children with out-toeing will have a much greater positive angle. The thigh-foot angle can also be a helpful tool in assessing the degree of rotation. Have the child lie on his or her belly with knees flexed to 90 degrees in the air and the feet naturally dorsiflexed. Then you're going to draw two imaginary lines in your head, 
The first one is that heel bisector that we talked about in the metatarsus adductus that goes from the heel to between the second and third toes. The second line is from the hip to the knee. Normal children will have a thigh foot angle around 10 degrees because remember we have a little bit of natural external rotation. A negative angle that points medially is suggestive of internal tibial rotation. An angle greater than negative 20 degrees by age 3 warrants referral. Conversely, a large positive angle with the foot pointing outward suggests external tibial torsion. An angle greater than 30 degrees warrants referral to an orthopedist. Most of these deformities resolve spontaneously in the first few years of life with growth and weight bearing. And primary care providers need only provide reassurance to parents and monitor growth with serial exams. Although it's not an angular deformity of the lower extremity, many parents may worry about toe walking in their toddler or school-aged child. Toe walking is actually a normal phase in gait development. In the early phases of walking, children will have a wide-based, flat-footed walk with high stepping, and they should develop a normal heel-to-toe gait by the age of three years. Toe walking beyond the age of four years is considered abnormal and warrants further evaluation, even if that workup ends up being negative. The biggest reason we have concerns is that prolonged toe walking may signal an underlying neurologic disorder, such as cerebral palsy, tethered cord, muscular dystrophy, or an intraspinal lesion or tumor. You should take a careful history of the child's birth, developmental milestone acquisition, and carefully examine their musculoskeletal and neurologic systems, looking for clues such as a sacral dimple or tuft of hair, deep tendon reflexes, gross motor skills, and their gait. Other children toe walk as a result of tight heel cords. If the birth history, past medical history, and physical exam of a child who is toe walking raise suspicion about a neurologic problem, appropriate diagnostic and treatment measures should be taken. But if they're normal, then it's likely idiopathic toe walking to blame. Long gone are the days of Forrest Gump's knee braces. He thought those magic shoes could take him anywhere. But we no longer recommend braces or special shoes. Now we provide reassurance to parents and children all over the place realize that I can run like the wind blows. Before you can know sick, you have to know well. Assessment of the musculoskeletal system requires a provider to know how a fetus developed, what is normal, expected, and within reason for a child's current age, while knowing to refer asymmetric, severe, prolonged deformities or those with a concerning history. And that's all I have to say about that. I'm Becky Carson. Take care.